How are you? How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. How are you? Uh, great. I'm happy to see that you survived uh, Ikea. Oh, yeah. That, that old chestnut. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I was going to say chestnut probably is not right. Like meatball, maybe. <laughs> no. No. Uh, it it, it uh, more of a particle board with a chestnut veneer but um the uh <laughs> the yeah that that was that was an experience i had not been to um there was there are basically two ikeas that are in the la area there's one in carson and there's one in burbank and the one in burbank they tore down and built a new one uh and the new one is the biggest one in the united states of america so, so they tore they tore down an old IKEA and built a new IKEA in the place of the old one. No, it's down the road, but uh, oh, okay, just okay, in the same city. But it's it's a uh, very big, um, very 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 big. And well, that's saying a lot because IKEA is already very big. Uh, this is like, easily twice as big as any IKEA I've ever been in. So, Lord have mercy. Yeah, it was. It's like a theme park. Uh, if the theme park is hey do we need this piece of junk um and the answer is no <laughs> how how much did you uh walk away with uh i think jason ended up spending like 69 dollars on like two shoe racks and nice a, a utensil organizer for a drawer um w- which was like 99 cents uh and made in poland <laughs> and i was just like what what are even the economics of this like i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> 99 cents and made in poland yeah uh interesting did was like a utensil rack needed or was it like this is 99 cents i'm replacing my old utensil rack just because this is 99 oh, no cents. A- anyone was required because oh okay well he has utensils but then he bought more utensils but then he hasn't had any place to put those utensils but now he's getting a credenza that those utensils will go into in one of the drawers so he needed a drawer organizer for those other utensils to go into as you do <sighs> yep. you know th- here this is this is an interesting thing like i i am <laughs> i am sometimes depressed by the a, my love of storage objects, but B, just the fact that storage is like a giant section of most department stores. Like you go into Target, there is heaven in the amount of different like storage options you have. And the reason why it's depressing to me, and I sort of like filter or not filter, but flitter, uh, flit, whatever. I go back and forth between, <laughs> I float and fluff and flit uh, back and forth between, <laughs> not fluff, not fluff. Oh God. Uh, the, the other F words. Oh God, no, not the other F words. Anyway, back and forth between um, liking storage items and then hating the idea that they exist. Because the only reason we have storage items objects is because we have too much stuff so we need to put them inside of other things and like there are these there there are designers who devote their time to creating these different buckets and baskets and bins and bags for us to put stuff in because we don't have enough space because we have too much stuff and so it's very it's just it's very depressing in in one uh in one way but at the same time i can't resist like a really good deal on storage items uh, that well, I usually don't feel that way when I'm at a Target because I Target is big enough that you can be in other parts of the store and not necessarily in that part. But the container store 
happens to be all about storage. So mm-hmm. whenever I'm in there, I'm just like, oh man. And you feel like a sense of shame about your, what you consider to be your, your current storage situation. And then you start trying to do mental math of like, oh, well, if I bought like a couple of these $6 bins, then would I be able to? And then it's like, no, 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 <laughs> just leave it alone. <laughs> You're not going to fix anything. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't think about it. Like I, you don't have to sit down uh, well, depending again on on sort of what your your situation looks like, like sit down and do some math and like draw out. Okay, I've got twelve bins and they're these different sizes. I'm gonna need to pick up these. It's it's all very it's it's too much. I uh, I did buy some storage bins not too long ago, and I have yet to fill them with the things that need to be put in them you're storing Um, empty bins right now i'm storing i need storage bins from a storage bins because i heard you liked storage bins Uh, mem all right so uh yeah i i but i i understand that especially when you're in the place like the container store and then it's very easy to to have those impulse uh purchase feelings um about uh, buying something that will turn out to be a project, you kind of have to be in on that project already and then just know what you're shopping for ahead of time. Um, and then you won't, you won't do dumb stuff. Uh, like, I don't know, buy some hanging wall command strip things that you haven't put up yet that have been there for a month, um, sitting Mm -hmm. on a table. Not that that's happened to anyone, but, uh, no one we know this doesn't have anything to do with technology. Uh, and this is ostensibly a podcast where we can talk about technology. So maybe we should talk about technology. Technology. Yes. Uh, I, you, you blogged. I you did. You blogged about uh, tvOS. For the first time since November. Uh, for the first time in forever. Now, uh, I, I uh, yeah, I kept meaning to blog about things, and then I had just been so busy, and then I was... Like, you know what would be a good time to blog about something? When they update tvOS. And then they didn't do that for, like, a couple weeks after I had that thought of blogging. And then I was like, well, (laughs) do I I really need that theme? And then I just happened to be just busy enough that I didn't need to worry about it until this past weekend. And I had a a couple minutes to to jot down some disapproving thoughts. Uh, I I just thought you'd, you know, pull out your iPad in Ikea and (laughs) sit down on one of their nice Flogan couches and have a, a cup of tea in a Schlugen cup and uh, blog about blog about TVOS. No, no, I, I did it before that. Uh, yeah, we. I just uh, I like TVOS eleven point three. I don't know how much eleven point three exposure you have had. Uh, just all the exposure. <laughs> I have UV poisoning from TVOS eleven point three. Well, you should look at your TV settings. Uh, but the yeah, I, I uh, don't. How should I put this? I I had been using the beta, and there are some very big glitches that I don't like, and there are improvements to things that I had been asking for them to have for a long time. So I'm glad that they're there. So it's sort of a mixed bag in a sense, but uh, I am happy that they added the 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 match content feature for matching the frame rate uh, to tvOS because now I can watch uh, 24 frames per second thing at 24 frames per second instead of Apple TV trying to convert 24 frames per second to 60 frames per second, uh, which meant doubling up and doing weird things on certain frames. Uh, So it's nice that they do that, and I'm glad that it's there. 
some people are having HDR problems, which they've been having since the match content feature was added. But the reason why the match content feature is there is because prior to that, they had just been converting all of the standard definition stuff into high definition through their own algorithms to display things. And so it had also done bad things too. So mixed bag for people who bought the Apple TV 4K and have an HDR TV, still it seems, uh, saw at least from one person that they had to do a factory reset, uh, even after updating just to get everything back into a state where it was working. Um, which is always what I like to do with my Apple products is factory <laughs> reset them. Uh, but, uh, the, the other downsides are they added, uh, onboarding screens for everything. And it's like, we collect this for your privacy. We collect this for your privacy. And they're scattered throughout every single <laughs> little like interface feature that you launch. It's like an Easter egg. Yeah. Apparently it's something to do with the, the, uh, EU GDPR, uh, regulations about data collection, uh, notifications mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, I'm not sure why they are, why these notifications are dispersed throughout the system. Um, also, it doesn't seem to, at least in the beta, uh, and the transition from the beta back to the regular, it doesn't seem to remember. Yes, that's the most, that's the worst part. Yeah, so it's like, uh, every time an update happened during the beta, and also when it updated to the final release, it's like, hey, so this is how we collect data to make your user experience better. And it's like, well, what data are you collecting about how many times I've clicked the OK button on this? Because you don't seem to be collecting any of it. <laughs> uh, that's the button you missed, darn it. Yeah. Uh, I, but I, I assume you've had similar... Fl- that's primarily probably been your frustration with the experience you've had. I would assume. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I haven't, I tend to have a pretty narrow um, sort of experience, I guess, on, on TVOS. I don't spend a lot of times in other apps besides like Netflix and Hulu. Um, so it doesn't, I don't, I don't typically stream to it from AirPlay or anything like that. I don't really, uh, like I said, I tried connecting it up with a HomePod speaker and wasn't impressed as you suggested. And it was true. Um, and I, because I, I think because I stick to those two apps, like it's not, not something that sort of, I run into too many issues. So yeah, just that, the privacy thing popping up over and over again was sort of the, the big annoyance for me. Um, and frankly, I've been not watching too much, of any television in the past couple months, um, instead of spending my time in like audiobooks and things like that. So I haven't had too, too much experience other than, like I said, whenever I'm sort of clicking and tapping in one app. And, uh, that means that I don't really run into, uh, too many of those issues, but, uh, I was, I remember the other day I was, um, watching the magicians and the, television, uh, like on the main screen, on the home screen, on Apple TV's home screen, my TV was like, it's running at this frame rate. And then I went to click on the magicians and it told me that it had switched frame rates. Um, it's, I thought that was interesting. Like I, I I didn't put two and two together for some reason. I thought there was something wrong. And it was only literally today as we were talking about this, like, oh, that's what was happening. Because the television wasn't super clear about what was happening. It's just like showing me numbers in the top left corner of the screen. It's like, okay, uh, something weird is happening here. But now I understand sort of what that was. Um, and I think that's, that's pretty cool because it's, Showing it in its intended form, which is nice. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and this is actually what, what you just said about how you found that disruptive to your experience is actually one of the reasons that Apple had used previously. Like there is a uh, an old interview that uh, they did with uh, Matthew Panzerino where uh, they they said that basically uh, it's inelegant uh, when a TV switches modes and that they would prefer to not have the user see mode switching occur. Uh, and usually what that means is like a flick to black uh, as the TV switches from one mode to the other. And then an overlay appears and says what the resolution and frame rate is. Uh, and that can vary from manufacturer to manufacturer. So what Apple had done prior to that uh, was say that they weren't going to uh, do any frame rate matching. And they were just going to show uh, everything at 60 frames per second and convert it. And then you wouldn't see a flick to black or uh, an overlay appear. Uh, and modern TVs tend to be better about mode switching than older TVs. Yeah. Uh, older TVs would take longer to sort of switch modes, but now it's usually... And make a noise like... <laughs> <laughs> not, not as much of a dot matrix printer, but uh, <laughs> close. Uh, but, yeah, no, but that's... that's uh, Another reason why uh, there's a setting for it uh, where you can uh, enable or disable it. Uh, and I had it on already, so I wasn't sure if they had switched the default. But since I'm assuming you didn't switch anything, then that means they changed the default to match frame rate. Um, which is Oh, see, but no, that's not necessarily true. I may have, oh. like, listening to you, you, you talking about it. Then I was like, make one of the times I was, because I always go into settings to see what's new uh, for work reasons. Um, so I could have switched it on. Uh, I can't, I, I don't know, though. Oh, <laughs> I'll just fool around with things and see what happens. Yeah, that'd be the most surprising part, because the, the match frame rate um, thing was uh, something that they were adding that would be off by default, just like match content is. Uh, so the default behavior would be 60 frames per second uh, for everybody, and also uh, the SDR converted to HDR um, uh, would be the default behavior for everybody. Uh, but what does that even? How can you? How do you do that uh, poorly? Uh, it's oh, okay. It's, <laughs> it's hard because there's color space differences, uh, meaning like the way colors are looked up uh, on a curve changes, uh, and also what is the brightest bright uh and the apple tv tries to do weird things to compensate for that like uh if you let's say you reduce the brightness on a blown out image that you have on your that you take in with the camera and mm -hmm. as you reduce the brightness you notice oh it's kind of orangish like there isn't an equal weighting to the the luminance in every channel um apple tv when it was trying to change the brightness for certain things like sky colors and stuff would jack the colors. Um, so people would have sort of urine colored skies um, mm. that were inappropriate for, well, lots of reasons, but mainly because that's not how it was supposed to look. Uh, and that was another, again, another thing that Matthew Panzerino had uh, written up complaints about. So these uh, match content and match frame rate features I feel like we're added mainly to uh, mainly for people who are home theater enthusiasts who had complained about uh, the behavior previously, um, and that way it could uh, be enabled. And I should clarify that nobody really does anything like what Apple is doing um, in terms of uh, 
offering this mode switching in this manner uh, that the other manufacturers uh, in like the case of Amazon don't have uh, frame rate matching. Um, they added support for developers to change the frame rate in a certain developer environment, but then they never rolled that out to anything. So it was speculated that they would eventually have 24 frames per second and stuff, but then they just didn't do it. Uh, and so I'm unclear about what, uh, what the reasons are for that. Uh, it might be the situation that the mode switching is there only for the, uh, fire TV edition TVs, whatever the name of that is. You, you know what I'm talking about from element and, uh, another, uh, manufacturer that is actually the same manufacturer to just have different brands. But, uh, they, mm-hmm. that they had a, a version of fire OS, uh, the fire TV operating system that was embedded inside of TVs. Uh, so it might've just been the added for them and not intended for the fire TV stick or the little dangly thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know, but who cares about TVs? <laughs> well, I keep plenty of people, but <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I would say what most people care about is education. Yeah. You know, it's important. Um, it's something that uh, here in the United States we all go through in some way or another, and we? Uh, Apple. <laughs> well, we we uh, certainly hope to be educated in our lives. Mm. Um, Apple it has a very uh, rose tinted shades uh, look at education and sort of wanting to improve upon it, um, and so they they held an education event, sort of. Uh, talking about what they want to bring to the table and make possible for teachers. And um, I think it's a overall a really cool initiative, or I guess series of initiatives um, and technologies. Uh, but as we've sort of learned in the, the, the follow-up of the the actual announcement, and, and we'll talk about hardware in a second, but as we've learned from people who do this for a living um apple will have trouble competing with companies like google who are doing a better job in terms of services and the ways that these things are tied into uh the education programs and so it's it's not necessarily uh incredibly easy to gain a foothold in this way that said um their curriculum there or curricula actually uh for things like everything can co- everything no everyone can code um <laughs> are are super cool and are available to everybody and so anyone can go and download these um super uh complex and and full featured curricula uh to gain an understanding of of how to code in swift um but <clears throat> Joe, let's uh, let's talk about the the new iPad that uh, Apple announced. Um, it's basically the old iPad, only it has a faster processor and it supports the Apple Pencil. Um, so uh, that's there, and uh, they made a big <laughs> deal out of the pricing. Um, they, uh, but this was the previous education pricing that was offered for that iPad. Uh, the 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 previous. Uh, version of the ipad i should say i don't know it gets so confusing referring to these things uh yeah but basically there was a cheap ipad that apple introduced last spring um that was not like the ipad pro in that it didn't have a laminated screen it wasn't even like the ipad air 
uh, 2 in that it doesn't have a laminated screen and it doesn't have uh, uh, a fancy processor that has the the uh, quad GPU thing going on, um, uh, which is what the X on the end of the uh, CPU uh, name denotes. Uh, so whenever you see like A9X or A10X or something like that, uh, that that's mainly about the GPU cores that are on the thing. And uh, the phones don't use the X ones because they don't need that crunch of numbers. Uh, but the iPad Pro uh, does because it has such a large screen. It also theoretically can uh, process graphics that are going to be displayed on a screen elsewhere, like over AirPlay mirroring or something. But... Uh, that that's the the thing is like okay so it got a faster processor that handles this uh simpler screen um the same mm-hmm. uh it doesn't have um the faster touch id support uh which many people are used to on the iPad Pro uh or from several generations of phones now which is also kind of weird. It's like, do they just make? Th- yeah, I don't that understand <laughs> that either. That's very. That was very. That was the one thing that sort of stood out to me. Like, wait, but why? Yeah, um, and it has uh, a camera that can't shoot in 4K, and uh, a front-facing camera that is, I believe, equivalent again to what they had last year. Um, so basically, it's all the same and about the same price. Only now educational institutions can pay $89 more for uh, an Apple Pencil, or <laughs> they can pay $49 more for a Logitech Crayon, uh, which is mm-hmm. a third-party solution for younger kids who might lose uh, Apple Pencil caps um, and various assorted components uh, because I lose them. Um, they're... <laughs> They're, they're... Yeah, I just lost mine the other day. <laughs> I found it, thank God, but I lost it. Yeah, well, uh, see, okay, I have been very careful about putting the cap thing on the end of it, but I cannot tell you where the male-to-female converter thing oh, is. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's the best thing, because I hate sticking it in my iPad. I know. I hate that, too. And I, it's honestly one of the 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 better things about the crayon design from Logitech is that yes it the the top of it flips off uh it stays attached which is important and then there's a port where you insert the lightning connector into it not like the Apple pencil where you precariously stick this teeny tiny tiny little tiny itty bitty piece of plastic <laughs> How small is it? <laughs> so small. You stick it in the side of your iPad Pro and then hope that no amount of force is applied unevenly to the pencil and the screen at the same time because that will snap right off. Uh, and I, I just, I, I, I don't understand the design of that thing. I've always hated it. But they, uh, they were like, yeah, now you can buy it for your education customers at a discount of $10. Uh, so... This is a way to sell more hardware uh, and sell hardware that will generate more money. And hardware is where Apple makes its money. But I look at the hardware and I'm like, what about this is like an education market thing? Like, I I just I can't wrap my head around it. Uh, It doesn't seem like the solution that I believe anyone was really asking for. And to your point, um, it seems mainly a, a hardware focused 
thing and not uh, focused on software and services. Although there were software and service components brought up later on, it just it seems like the pencil brings very little to the table uh, in terms of that. Like <laughs> you can annotate something in pages now, and it's like, Ugh. yeah. I, so there, there there are multiple things here that I, I want to touch on. Um, firstly, uh, speaking of the the you know input methods, um, I think that. There, despite our sort of move as a, at least in the United States as a whole, sort of move to uh, text-based communication and text-based note-taking and text-based um, or typing-based, rather, uh, I don't know, interaction, uh, there is still plenty of, of science uh, behind the idea that we are able to retain information better uh, when it comes to handwriting um, and using sort of, depending on sort of our learning style, you know, using diagrams and things like that to help us uh, better understand things. And so I get sort of the idea of, of giving kids these input methods. I want to um, talk about the, the Logitech Crayon for a second, because I do think this is all around a better product um, in classrooms, not only because of the female connector as opposed to the male connector, uh, and the fact that the cap is connected to the device, and the fact that it's made of this rugged material. Um, it's essentially an Apple Pencil that has been coated in Logitech gunk um, <laughs> so that it, it, it's it's much stronger. But the most important thing to me and the coolest thing to me is that Logitech and Apple, of course, uh, work together to create a device that does not, it does not pair to a single iPad. You can pick up any Logitech crayon that's in the classroom and use it with any iPad that of the, of this specific, you know, this specific iPad, the new 9.7 inch iPad with any iPad that's in the classroom as well. So there's no sort of, oh no, which crayon is mine? Which crayon <laughs> is yours? The teacher can have a crayon and like bend down to the work that you've just done and circle, you know, okay, this is where you need to fix this. And and it reminds me of uh, as a kid, um, our, I remember our schools getting smart boards installed and those, they had these big chunky, they looked like jumbo crayons, but they were markers that you could use on the screen on the smart board. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, uh, smart board was basically this big white screen that the projector shined a light on, uh, but it had a, a touch sensing technology built in um, that sort of tracked movement. And so you could take the projector, turn it on, turn on the smart board, and then use these markers and the, the special eraser and things like that to actually mark on the screen. And then it would, you know, project it down on there. Um, so it, it sort of reminded me of that as a kid, being able to do that. It was always so fun to be able to go up and uh, answer questions on the smart board uh, and write things. So I, um, on that specifically, I think that that is where the crayon is pretty cool because Apple's like, we know kids like to break things. Well, Logitech and Apple working together. Like, we know that kids are very rough on things. This is a product that they can use and uh, sort of solved for the issue of the fact that Sometimes my Apple Pencil doesn't even want to be paired with the iPad that it's supposed to be connected with, and it's not paired with anything else. So why is this uh, an issue? So I like that. Um, I think the other thing, uh, Apple announced some some software technologies. There's Classroom. Uh, there's ClassKit. 
or sorry, there's there's schoolwork, <laughs> uh, there's class kit, and then there's I think it's it's classroom. I think is the the one, but the classroom already has existed for a very long time, um, and it's sort of a a, a technology that lets teachers. Um, keep track of their kids' progress and assign, uh, assign assignments. That's a horrible way to put that. Assign like homework and, and uh, projects and things like that. Um, and, and the schoolwork application is sort of building upon that. But ClassKit is for developers who want to create apps that kids can use in the classroom. And it helps the teacher sort of plug in and be able to assign different activities from within those apps and things like that. So there and they can also like check progress of work that's being done and assess uh things that have been done inside the apps basically yes and and it also lets uh teachers and students connect uh sort of within the within those apps so that the teacher could help out like oh i see what you're doing wrong here let's you know let's talk about what this is so it is i think a very sort of it's a it's idealism and education realized in many ways. And I think that like, it's a very sort of nice, like it makes me smile this, this idea of kids getting to learn in this way. And for someone who has dug into the everyone can code curriculum, um, and does know how, you know, powerful it is or how much you can learn from it. Um, I know that it's out there, but it's just as we've learned from different people who do this for a living, it's not it's not realistic necessarily for all classrooms and for all teachers who have a lot on their plate already and don't need sort of a a new technology to try to figure out or what like this is the worst thing. It's not necessarily learning that new technology like there are a lot of teachers who would just you know, take up that, that, um, righteous, you know, uh, uh, challenge, but it's convincing the school and the IT department and all of these other things that, you know, this is the right thing to do. This is a good idea. And oftentimes that's not a, a challenge that they're able to achieve. So, um, uh, the one thing I want to touch on though, that, that, and I know I've said that like seven times now, but, um, you talked about how this was a very hardware thing um, and the software sort of uh, took, you know, that was something else that was announced there. What's what's fascinating to me is that people who were paying attention to the event or hearing about the event afterward were all complaining that there was well, not everyone, but many I saw many complaints that there wasn't very much announced at this event. And I thought that was funny because, um, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't ever pitched that way. It really was pitched as an education event uh, from the get-go. Uh, but I found it fascinating that people were like expecting more hardware to be announced than there was. But Apple really was trying to focus on education, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I think predominantly, if you look at the people who were complaining about that, were mainly complaining that the uh, MacBook Air successor um, was not announced, that some people had been expecting, uh, and that Macs were not discussed, uh, really, with the... Uh, I believe, as Jason Snell had pointed out in his coverage, uh, that basically there were two times the Macs were pointed out, and that was on a slide of some old thing that they got out of there uh, to put in the iPad, uh, and then also again as adding Mac support for uh, Classroom so that teachers could uh, use uh, a Mac to to interact with the Classroom software uh, instead of requiring an iPad. Um, but uh, I think that's primarily the source of other people's disappointment with this. 
because if you look at the people complaining again, also you're going to find a lot of people who are not necessarily covering or concerned with education. Um, and so they have different priorities. And so to them, this event is boring anyways. And then add on top of that, what they wanted to get out of it wasn't even really supposed to be covered. Uh, and then you, you get some dissatisfaction, uh, from, from those, those fan communities. Um, I am not dissatisfied in that way. I had no expectations that the education event was going to have a, a heavy max spin in any way because Tim Cook has never signaled uh, that he considers the Mac platform to be the future of the company. Um, that as much as it is sort of the present of uh, an unnecessary present of the uh, of, of the current reality, so I, I don't see him ever wanting to teach kids about Macs. Uh, that that's just it. in fact yeah. he wants them to never know about them. These are not the Macs you're looking for. Yeah. but here's an iPad for you, child. There was <laughs> creepy Tim Tim Cook. Uh... Yeah, I guess that wasn't <laughs> even accurate either. It'd be like there there's a Mac you're looking for. I I can't even his his accent is this a little bit poisoned apple. No, um, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, in the school rooms where they did demos of various things afterwards jason snell had also mentioned that he had seen uh basically a mac lab that was up on like a little mezzanine inside of this this room that they were in and nobody was up there touching that stuff it was just sort of seen and not not heard and obviously that school it uses macs uh, in some capacity like many schools do um to do certain tasks i wouldn't be surprised if it was video production or something else um because one of the weird things that they did in terms of focusing on uh, one of the one of the reasons why I say this is sort of an oddly focused sales pitch on please buy our iPads and pencils uh, and give us money um, is is that uh, a lot of the features that they touted for things for the software improvements were about uh, the creativity of children and encouraging the creativity through uh, use of cameras and editing video uh, productions instead of papers and doing all this other stuff. Um, whereas there really isn't a, a straight line from doing that on an iPad to having that as a job right now. So I, I always find that strange uh, when there is sort of a marketing emphasis on, um, you know, the creation aspect on an iPad when there's sort of a, also a, a, a ceiling on the maximum creativity that you can have on uh, on an Ooh, iPad yeah. in terms of the flexibility of the platform, um, at least as it currently exists. And I'm sure in the future, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I told you so in 10 years, what I'm saying is right now, um, it's not like there's a final cut pro for the iPad. Um, and you can do iMovie things and you can import that iMovie project later on, uh, onto, uh, onto a Mac that's running final cut pro and you can do more things there, et cetera, but it's not bi-directional, um, where you're going back and forth and collaborating with people or outputting really straight from Final Cut Pro unless you're going right to the web um, in all cases. And that's the end of your job. I don't know. It's it's just one of those things where it's like I, I always find it fascinating when uh, you would fall back on like video production, especially in light of the fact that uh, 4K video production is where things will go. And it's not like these have 4K cameras built in, um, nor are they really intended for doing that kind of work. Uh, so I, I, it's, 
it's it's interesting from a software side when I see the deficiencies there. But I, I that's why I consider it more of a hardware focused event where it's mainly a sales pitch about look at these software demos of our hardware device um, and doing things that Chromebooks would not excel at. Uh, and whether whether or not that appeals to the person making the buying decisions for a school um, is probably a separate issue. Uh, but I, I, as, as someone who is not invested in school or the future of our children or anything, um, I, I just look at it with some skepticism about, uh, the utility, um, that, uh, it's offering in a practical sense. And I don't doubt children's creative, creative abilities because they can be creative with literally anything. Like when I was a kid, we had Apple two GS in a, uh, mac lab well not a mac lab an apple lab um and you could use a program where you would draw on the screen uh by inputting like a little program to to uh, sort of trace out a line um and it would uh you'd have to write and like change the color from this to this and it would sort of like draw it out uh it was not useful um but it encouraged creative thought so that's an important thing to consider and that didn't translate into a job later on in my life but uh it is it, it, it's just one of those things where it's like i i get that it fosters creativity but children can be creative with anything um and whether whether or not you are offering them these ipads i i just can't say as to whether or not that's uh uh helpful necessarily but it's not i mean it doesn't hurt anyone unless right you're, unless you're the la unified school district um which was the largest failed ipad deployment that, that's ever existed uh, uh my 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 former elementary well no that'd be full all the way through my former school district uh did a one-to-one ipad program and it went really well um they ended up having to decrease funding in years following. And so it was, you know, in, in terms of the normal maintenance that's involved with uh, one-to-one iPad programs, uh, it's been a struggle to maintain it. Uh, but it seemed to go over pretty well. And that this, the, you know, these new options would probably be something that they would take advantage of. Um, but I mean, ultimately, again, I am glad that Apple's focusing on this. I'm glad that there are teachers who can take advantage of this. I hope that uh, Apple works really hard to make this a possibility for school districts that have a harder time uh, being able to afford these things um, or that there's some way to make that a possibility. But um, again, yeah, practicality and things like that, I think, do get in the way. And uh, I, regardless of all of that, though, I'm glad that this new product is is out there for one particular reason. Um, in fact, like one of my good, good, good friends, she is an incredible artist um, and an iPad Pro is is out of reach for her. Um, but this better priced device is something that she can uh, afford. And the fact that like I have an Apple Pencil and I use it occasionally and like practice sketching, but I am, you know, absolutely terrible in comparison to what she can do. And so giving her these, like having these tools available to her, I think is is really cool. So like, I'm happy that more people are going to be able to get their hands on these and be able to use them um, 
so that the Apple Pencil is sort of this this one-to-one stylus, so to speak, is, is available to more. So, yeah, um, cool that uh, that's out there and that Apple can release sort of more budget conscious, I wouldn't say budget friendly, but budget conscious uh, devices is uh, is a good thing. And I also, honestly, I like the fact that this event had one sort of hardware announcement and the rest of it truly was focused on education and, um, you know, had teachers on stage and talked about the different initiatives, initiatives that they're working on. And, um, had the the press people go through classes, which I would have I would have been annoyed by, frankly. Like I I hate I hate being sort of forced into activities like that I don't want that I don't want to be a part of. So I would have been really annoyed as I was having to do Fibonacci poetry and like make things with the clips app and all that stuff. Um I would have <sighs> protested. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I just gotta say I am amazed resources are still going into the Clips app. <laughs> just gobsmacked. I would have figured that by now it would have just tapered off into nothingness and that nobody would talk about it and it would still exist on the App Store for another year, but then it would just quietly sunset and that would be the end of it. But Have you seen any clips like from anyone in the past? I have not seen... I popped into Clips on the day of the event so that I could sit, so I could stand in a tank with uh, Dory and Nemo and uh, next to Mike Wazowski and Sully. And then I was like, all right, that's it. That's it for the next year until they, or next two years until they announce something else. Cause I don't, I still have trouble. I don't even understand how to use the app. It's, it's not easy to use. It's very difficult to use. And I don't, I mean, I haven't gone looking, but like, have you seen anyone using clips in earnest? No, um, but uh, I mean, other than the first like week or two where it was out and then everybody was just fascinated by the ability of uh, the, the text transcription um, when when that was there. And then again, when the Millennium Falcon Star Wars AR thing was tacked on to clips that I, I could also again, I don't understand why was that in clips, but um, they they glued that in there and uh then i saw like a couple things from that but there is no variety to that because it's the same room in ar every time you just has you in it so it is a novelty factor for you and no one wants to watch that video yeah i mean i I think you're you're like this is this is something so you can go whoa cool i'm in a different place but i'm not going to like I'm not going to pull a Hillary Clinton. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids, uh, but but chilling in, again, like the Millennium Falcon. Um, there are only so many people who are going to get that reference, uh, but I'm proud of all of you who do. Uh, this, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't get that app. Uh, no, and I don't understand why that is helpful to education markets. Um, I, I, I mean, I can understand, I guess. Creativity, yeah. Well, I could understand that it is supposed to be a simpler version of iMovie for people to quickly uh, put together some clips into a video and output that. However, I would argue it is a very restrictive and not simpler version of iMovie. Um, I I find it to be baffling. Uh, It doesn't seem to connect in any way to iMovie either. So there's no... no, uh, 
no process by which you can go, oh, this clips thing is not good enough. Let me export this into iMovie and then continue on with my process in it, for my school project. It's like, no, 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 you're done. You can export the whole video and then go re-edit it inside the other application because um, we don't have any interface for uh, a pipeline in terms of this stuff. You can't just like be like, oh, I hit the creativity ceiling of this app. Time to go to the next one. <laughs> So this is this is an interesting thing that you touched on, uh, specifically like in comparison to iMovie and I and I th- I may have even talked about this on the the show before, but I to this day have no idea how to use iMovie on the Mac, on my phone, on anywhere. Uh, my mom the other day she sent me this video and she's like, "Check this out! I made it in iMovie," and it was this sweet video. Um, and I was like super proud of her for one, but for two, I like this is so. This sounds incredibly arrogant, and I'm sorry, but um, the. <sighs> Because I know Final Cut Pro and know sort of other um, other tools for for nonlinear editing um, like Premiere, uh, the way that iMovie I almost said iMovie the way that iMovie <laughs> is is simplified, it's done in a way that makes it completely inaccessible to me, and I I have like I have to spend you know, five extra minutes just doing anything because I don't know what buttons to click. And I feel like clips is that same way. I don't know what buttons to tap. And it's supposed to be this simplified process of like, well, you know, you don't need to hit the record button in another app and then import the video. You do it all right here. And we make it really easy for you to get to this, that, and the other. And it's just to swipe away. And it's like, no, but it feels so bare. It's like Snapchat. It's like everything is, is, is tucked away in places that I don't expect it. Um, and it took me forever to learn how to use Snapchat. So I, I, I think the sort of simplifying and, and, um, I don't want to use the word dumbing down. It's not dumbing down, but simplified is, method has, has really done, uh, done the app a disservice. Yeah. I, I would say, uh, streamlining, um, might be one way to think of it. Uh, I, I remember specifically, <laughs> uh, back in the old days, I remember when, uh, iMovie, uh, was updated with the new version that, uh, incorporated the, the ridiculous drag things that gave you no precision. Uh, and people rebelled against that. And Apple made, uh, the old iMovie, uh, available for a download from their website, uh, because people complained so much about the new version of iMovie. Uh, and the new version of iMovie, which was completely rewritten, uh, also lacked a lot of components, uh, that people had expected in iMovie. Uh, and then over time, uh, they, those things were not really added, just like a uh, QuickTime 10, <laughs> where, Things were missing that are in QuickTime 7 Pro that uh, you can't do in QuickTime 10. Uh, but it, 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 nobody cares because time has marched on. And uh, it's sort of the same thing every time Apple rewrites, rewrites, uh, rewrites software. Um, like when they did the Final Cut uh, Pro 10. Um, yes, from CP 7. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, huge rebellion on that one. Um, and... Apple really screwed themselves over because uh, there were there were parts of it that they messed up that they later went on to fix. And so a lot of people are using Final Cut Pro 10 now, but it's mainly that sort of window of like 
two years where <laughs> things were kind of screwed inside of the app uh and and people had people no jumped right well there were there were a lot of very public uh people moving from final cut pro to uh seven to uh adobe premiere um like the what was it the conan o'brien show even did uh, a segment on their uh oh my lord yeah I, I i couldn't believe it i was like who i mean other than me who, who is would, this for <laughs> yeah i was like who would care about about the non-linear editing program that they use for uh conan o'brien show but uh the uh, it, it, there were a lot of people who were very upset and understandably so because it was their livelihood and there was no uh no smooth progression there no, no, I mean, it takes time to learn new technologies, no matter. So to, to just pull the rug out from somebody in that way is not not nice. <laughs> no. And uh, th th like I said, there was really no upgrade path that made any sense for some of these people. Like there were things that were completely missing from the applications. And that is also kind of Apple's approach when it comes to this education software or so creativity software that they say that educators could use in the classroom is like. You have clips, uh, like we said, and you have iMovie, and uh, you have GarageBand, um, uh, and they don't linearly connect to uh, your progression from GarageBand on your iPad to Logic uh, on an iMac. Um, that there is there there isn't like a a lineage that connects everything. Um, particularly, uh, like clips to iMovie to Final Cut Pro 10. So there, that is, that is something that I really feel like they could work a lot on, uh, refining. And unfortunately, I believe the way they would work on refining it is taking all of the ideas that they have from clips and then applying it to Final Cut Pro 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh boy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I uh, and I'm not arguing that everybody needs to know how to use the most complicated nonlinear editors with all of the features and all of the menus and all of the plugins and that uh, they, they have extensive libraries of uh, presets that they can add. Like, uh, it's not a request that I have. I just uh, software wise, when you're sitting there in front of that interface, it's just like, what is this? Um, this is baffling. And you could argue, like with Snapchat, that uh, youthful people um, will <laughs> exert the effort to learn any difficult interface. And, True. And uh, then it just leaves uh, old people uh, in, in the dirt. Um, while, while you could make that argument, I would say there currently exists no uh, post-production studio that creates movies inside of clips. So... Eventually, they have to learn something else. Uh, and hopefully, learning clips doesn't uh, cause them some difficulties later on in uh, their, their adoption process because they've, they've formed some very bad opinions about software uh, in their brains, in their delicate little brains. Their delicate little, their budding little brains. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I... Uh, but not to harp too much on that. I'm just... Because, of course, I didn't learn any nonlinear editing software at all until I was in college. And what I learned there was uh, a version of Premiere, which is very unlike the version that currently exists. Um, but it is that familiarity with Premiere that allows me to open the current version of Premiere and at least half know what I'm doing. Right. Uh, and I find that to be useful. Uh, the software that I learned for compositing... 
which used to be owned by Apple, oddly enough, Shake. Oh. Uh, they 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 bought it, uh, hoping to sell workstations, and then nobody wanted to buy Apple's workstations. Uh, so <laughs> then they discontinued support for Shake uh, progressively over several years after being very proud of uh, all the Oscar-winning projects that it had. Um, it's, and you shook your fist. Yeah, they they really they botched it. Everybody went to a piece of software called Nuke, uh, which is different from Shake, but basically similar enough that it was fine uh that oh, everybody good. could make that transition <laughs> there there are i mean there currently exists no software transition that uh i i've found insurmountable for anybody um that basically uh and, and so while i say that it's not practical and that apple would do well to uh stream uh, to make these things uh more coherent uh, software wise uh there is currently apparently no punishment if they don't do that so uh, uh my my desires are are don't don't map out to any like realistic concerns i don't have a horror story of like oh no they changed uh something in in shake and then i was never able to learn nuke and now i you know uh exited the the business that i that i work in no no yeah yeah well and that like that that was sort of uh the same experience for me it was never an insurmountable thing uh in high school i did a web show and i did the video production for the web show and so i worked in adobe premiere um and then i started working at the company that i worked for before my the one i work for now newsy um and when I was working at Newsy, uh, when I started there, they were using Final Cut Pro 7. But it was that summer that they switched uh, from Final Cut Pro 7 to Final Cut Pro 10. And I worked on a movie with some friends over that summer in Final Cut Pro 10. Um, and so I came back sort of with all the knowledge of Final Cut Pro 10 uh, to work at Newsy again and um, sort of ended up, you know, knowing a lot about the program where everyone else was still sort of stuck in FCP seven land. Uh, so it was sort of a helpful thing. And it, it helped that I had used Premiere and that that Final Cut Pro was similar enough in my mind to uh, FCP 10. I had trouble using FCP seven, because uh, I'd never used that technology before. Um, and so it was easier for me in that way, switching from the Adobe product to the Apple product, the the newer Apple product, than I think it would have been for me switching from um, Premiere to the older version of uh, Final Cut Pro. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, there once you once you've climbed this sort of hill to the the more complicated nonlinear editors, uh, or in your case, it seems the compositing tools then um maybe the other ones aren't aren't too terribly difficult is uh adobe after effects is that a compositor or is uh, that something else it is i wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole again <laughs> um very different paradigm uh so in terms of learning curve there is one there uh but uh but i could theoretically learn it if i absolutely r really needed to for some godforsaken reason uh but <laughs> I, I yeah I just uh and uh, you know we should probably talk about Adobe. Uh, Adobe uh, is what a lot of people will wind up using in the professional world, and uh, Adobe does not have the presence on iOS uh, that well anyone has really. Uh, Adobe's iOS applications are um, garbage. disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> There, so uh, it's it's not like there's while I criticized Apple for not having a basically a a 
way for you to go from iMovie to on iOS to uh, Final Cut Pro on iOS or something like that. Uh, there, there is no Premiere or something like that. They have some useless yeah, clip thing called Spark. More. It's it's bad. There's like Spark and Fix and Mix and Blop and Blip and they they uh, they, they chose to make five thousand tiny little crap apps. Um, for <laughs> craps, just craps. <laughs> Two piece. Um, no, I, I I and I I don't understand that strategy. It doesn't seem to matter. Um, but uh, they that's what they they they've stuck with, and they have no footprint in education on iOS. Um, which is curious. Uh, and right now, if you go to higher education, you're mainly learning things that you would need to use in a job market. Uh, so it matters less in, uh, the lower grades than it matters in like college or something like that, where it's like, yes, you are going to need to use a Mac or a PC because you're going to need to run Final Cut Pro 10 or Adobe Premiere. And, uh, that's what you're, you're going to have to use. And, uh, that's fine for higher education stuff but it's it's sort of weird i wonder what the transition will wind up being basically is like do all these kids just use ios when they're kids and then for the rest of time they graduate to using uh macs and pcs to to work on these software suites these enormous software suites that are very unlike what they've been using on ios huh interesting is, is that the transition that every Boy and girl will make. <laughs> I don't think so, though, Joe. I think I think right now we are in a period where um, we have been preempted by the apps and services that exist. But pretty soon, it's going to come to a period where uh, where the apps and services are preempted by the people. Like when by the time my youngest brother is. Uh, my age, I, I think that he will be so literate on on tablets and and you know portable devices and things like that that it will be in the in these companies' best interest to bring those technologies to these types of devices. Right now, they're in a position where uh, they can still sort of require us uh, to. To, to sort of bend to their will. But I think that we'll get to a time where there will be enough people, you know, who won't buy this technology because it exists on these, what is this old school device that I can't just touch with my fingers and make things happen? Um, I, I think like that's sort of the, the, the place where we are right now. It's, it's us bending to their will, but I think it'll, there will come a time uh, when the revolution, Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> the revolution goes towards these touch devices and we see no more craps from Adobe. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I don't know. I, I think still that uh, because of the momentum of the money um, and where that money goes in terms of software development, that uh, these larger competitors are very difficult to move. Uh, if you go to professional office environments, Google, which is often pointed out as uh, having such a large footprint in education, they have a very they, they have a smaller footprint in uh, business where Microsoft is still very dominant and uh, people want to use Office for reasons 
that are not clear to me. Uh, and I've actually asked my boyfriend to explain this to me because he worked at a place that relied on uh, the Google suite of apps. And he said it was awful because uh, he wasn't able to do things in uh, Excel and in PowerPoint, uh, which he had, you know, been so used to uh, that equivalent things didn't always exist inside of the Google suite of apps. And so it was actually very desirable for him to be back inside of uh, when he transitioned from that Google job back to a Microsoft job, um, he was uh, happy that they used Microsoft products and he actually considered it to be a relief from what he had been doing before. And he is in this market, uh, theoretically young enough, where, you know, all the millennials want Google stuff all the time. But some millennials just want Google stuff when they're like, on home at home on their like off hours they don't want google stuff in their offices because they don't find it powerful enough which i thought was interesting that is um, interesting cuz i i honestly would have just expected you know oh everybody likes google like and you use google at home wouldn't you just use google at the office um but uh not the case and uh i i've i have no affinity in terms of like software for business stuff i don't care i'm not, <laughs> i don't care about that part um and i don't think it will ultimately matter that much and it is probably the most fluid part because if google made some changes that made it more appealing to certain people or uh uh for some reason i work ever became appealing to somebody then maybe some businesses would use it uh and then people would just have a natural progression where they could switch from one to the other because it's just text um and uh stuff like that, uh, emails and things. And I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it seems like that is probably where maybe things might change the most. And then you could have a situation where offices might all be using iPads with iWork uh, because it's so easy to collaborate and so feature-rich and everybody loves it so much. And then One day, because <laughs> uh, like I just the other day, um, I'm working on a super secret project with a, a friend of mine and... Um, she had written up this document in pages and I was like, oh, just send it to me. Send me an invite to collaborate. It'll be great. We'll have a great time. She sent me this invite to collaborate. First of all, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't work from her trying to email it to me. So then she just did the, she tapped to collaborate and then copied the link for collaboration and sent it to me. I clicked on it. It loaded for like, 10 minutes and wouldn't open. So then uh, pages like started and then quit. And then I clicked on it again. And then finally it loaded and let me collaborate. Now, once I was in there, it worked quite, quite fine, but it took all of that going back and forth and trying to figure out things. And like, by that time, it's already a scary amount of not working for the everyday person um, to sort of figure out and troubleshooting. Like, I don't think that, uh, someone who isn't as versed in technology would know what to do after it stopped working in the beginning. And it would just sort of chalk it up to, well, that didn't work. Um, so I'm not, not, uh, not too pleased with it yet. Uh, and I, I, I like, I don't know what it's going to take, but the fact that I can go to drive.google.com and create a new document and immediately share it with someone and they immediately pop up and can edit and do things as they want with no loading, no weird linking, no, none of that. Like it just works. It just works applied to Google, <gasps> but that's, that's the case. And I would love to, I would love it if that 
was the case for Apple, but it's not. And so they, they need to be like, just plain and simple. They need to be better. Yeah. I would like to say, oh, it's, it's probably easy enough for Apple to get better at that over time. And then they would surely convince everybody to move over to iOS for business, uh, eventually. Um, but history has proven otherwise, uh, where despite all the many iterations of iWork over the decade plus that it's existed and the many rewrites that it's had, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I almost find it easier to believe that uh, iPads might be distributed widely, but everybody does their work in Office 365 and, and uh, G Suite. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, and Apple, in that case, wouldn't care as long as people are buying no. iPads. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're still selling the hardware. So, yeah, and they're still uh, if they're selling any software at all, they get a cut of that. So, yeah, like don't they? If somebody signs up for Office 365 on iOS, don't they get like a cut of the subscription revenue or something? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, well, that's the that is the base um, agreement applied to all developers, but companies with enough uh, throw can negotiate that uh, potentially. So I can't say like 100% certain yes, but yes like uh, at the mm-hmm. base level if you do any sort of in-app purchase they get a percentage of the in-app purchase for handling the purchasing aspect and that's why um for the longest time oh goodness what well, there was a there was an app that you couldn't do you couldn't subscribe to it using uh an ios device like you had to go to the web um because they didn't want to pay a certain fee that was, to, was that spotify <laughs> It might have been, I think it was Spotify. And to this day, like I have to go into Safari and go to audible.com in order to, if I wanted to purchase an audiobook, like outside of my uh, monthly credit. Um, And then what it does, what's funny is uh, a lot of times with uh, these audiobooks, if they're older, you can end up saving money if you buy the Kindle version along with the audiobook. They give you like a huge discount on the audiobook. So I, uh, I was reading, well, listening through a whole like 12 book series of books. And so I was buying, uh, buying them here and there. And what I, what, what it would end up being the case is that I'd go to audible.com. I'd see that it would let you uh, save money if you did it through the Kindle book. So I'd click that button. It would kick me into the Amazon app, realize I wanted to buy a Kindle book. So kick me back to Safari to the Amazon page where I could then buy it because it won't let you buy Kindle books within the app, but it won't let you buy audiobooks within the app because they don't want to give Apple a cut of their profits there. Yeah. And uh, funny you should bring, bring up books. Uh, one last thing, and then we, we should wrap this up, is uh, uh, part of Apple's education pitch at their last education event in 2012 was books, books, books. Everybody likes books. Uh, textbooks are great. We can make interactive textbooks. Great books for everybody. Um, and it'll be so easy <laughs> and convenient. It was not any of those things. Uh, and there are very limited numbers of people doing that. And uh, when you buy the digital version of a book, you're buying one license per device and you have to rebuy the thing again, as opposed to physical books where you can hand off for many years the book. Uh, so there's all kinds of weird stuff. They didn't change the landscape there and uh, they still haven't. And they kind of just changed the narrative from textbooks being an issue to hey look you can publish interactive books yourself inside of pages um which i thought was 
entertaining. Uh, hmm. The notion that's really like that's that's to- that I can I can see it now. Like that is seventh grade uh, English class. Uh, teacher happened to hear about how you could create a book, and they're like, "All right, this is uh, your end of the year project is to publish a book, um, you, an interactive book." And like that, to me, that's what that technology. Well, technology—that's what that feature was built for. Is like that is a project-based thing. If I ever have seen one, that was a nod to teachers who like. What can I do as an end of the year project? Oh, well, Pages lets you make books. Let's uh, have our kids do that. Yeah, I mean, I mainly, uh, well, Apple mainly seems to have pitched it as like, you can make anything you want for your curriculum, um, which I find. um, Yeah, teachers should not have to make their own books. No, I don't think that's useful for anyone, really. I mean, I know that teachers sometimes staple together some pages uh, that they've printed out and Xeroxed several times uh, so that maybe that that would be useful for them, but uh, you could do the same thing with a PDF. Like, uh, I don't understand the appeal of this. Uh, And I know they're like, oh, it can be interactive and you can embed, you know, components inside of it. And it's just like, but so what? Uh, And teachers (laughs) don't have time for that. Like, that's what I keep seeing is a lot of these different technologies are so, what is the word I'm looking for? So optimistic, but to a, an unrealistic sense. And if we're being, if we're being realistic instead of idealistic, there's just not time, uh, along with all the other things that have to happen for a teacher to create a book for her class. Yeah. Also, uh, it's questionable whether having some of these elements be multimedia, uh, while it might be more engaging and, uh, while, while everyone is, I mean, people are already regretting the pivot to video that they made last year in, in journalism. Oh, <laughs> the pivot to video. Ugh. So it's like, yeah, we're going to pivot education to video. Sure. Whatever. Um, everybody's going to shoot, uh, stuff for their classes in clips, and then they're going to drop it into, their EPUB book that they are putting out for their students. Uh, and it'll have a hyperlink that will open the URL to their AR frog dissection app. It's just like, I very, very far future. You know, like when Apple, we should when, make uh, an unhelpful suggestions book. <laughs> you, well, I mean, uh, it, I, it would be very easy to do. It would just be an empty book. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> The, uh, but you remember when Microsoft used to do those like pie in the sky, like concept videos of like, this is what your medical care will be like in the future. Um, yeah, that's a little of what I get from the, the Apple education, uh, event where it's like, this is what your, uh, education will be like in the future. And it's like, well, I think you're missing like 15 steps, uh, before we get to that point, uh, maybe in, 10 to 15 years that might be what education is like but uh you are showing that as something for people to buy into today and i object uh to the notion that you have done all of all of the work required uh to make that a reality for anybody uh but uh uh with with any final thoughts we should we should come to a close on this one should ring the school bell Uh, yeah, I, I have, uh, I have no further thoughts about, about this. I think we, we hit everything we wanted to, uh, this week. Um, and I guess we will, uh, we'll see how this all does and 
I hope to eat my words one day and that all teachers across the United States can make use of these tools and everybody gets a crayon and everything's great. But don't uh, eat your crayon. Don't don't please don't chew on the crayon. <laughs> Just go back to paste. It tasted better anyway. I don't know. <laughs> uh, copy apparently, and paste. Apparently one one time paste was like minty and tasty. And then Elmer's glue came out with their very uh, plasticky and chemically tasting product and kids stopped eating paste. Uh, this is what this is what my family members told me who remember the days of minty paste. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, hmm. uh, on on that note, uh, <laughs> um, keep glued to this. Oh, God. Podcast. Keep it glued. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh.